The Tablet Show, episode 98, with guests Jeremy Freely and Alan O'Connor. Recorded live Thursday, August 1st, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Jeremy Freely and Alan O'Connor about their experiences building Road Buddy for Windows Phone 8. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. It's Carl and Richard. We're here for another hour of or so of uh, goodness. Of adventure. Adventure. Adventures in mobile and tablets. Yeah. I like a little adventure. I have a house full, my friend. House full of dogs, right? Yes. My, uh, one of uh, dear friends of mine has gone off to uh, Italy for the couple of weeks, and they have a Cairn Terrier as well, so now two Cairn Terriers, a.k.a. Chaos. How do you spell Karen, Karen Terrier? C-A-I-R-N, Karen. And you've talked about those guys before. They're, they're really little balls of dynamoism, aren't they? Yes. And, and she, this little blonde chick is dynamo, just all over the place, destructomatic. <laughs> you know, mine dug a hole through a, through a sofa cushion. And, uh, yeah, like to tear up the yard and it's just chaos. I'm reminded of the Tasmanian devil. That's pretty much exactly right. But, <laughs> but, but, but sweet. Yeah. Sweet. But, you know, if you're a bear in the backyard, God help yeah, you. Yeah, not so much. And they, oh. and they're, and I'm feeding them raw salmon. That's their, that's their dinner. Awesome. Well, I don't know what, uh, what I can say about, uh, things that are going on here. Almost ready to get the solo album out. It's called Been a While. You've been slamming away at that. Slamming away at it. That's the one that Schofield is, uh, has played on. And I got an engineer from River, uh, who used to work at River Sound with Steely Dan and all those guys. Nice. Um, doing a once-over on my mixes. So it should be pretty, pretty nice when it comes out. That's all I got. Hey, Richard, let's start with Better Know Framework. Awesome. What do you got? Well, you know, I can't believe we waited until um, August to, because that's when we're recording the show, to yep. highlight the 2013.NET Developer Salary Survey that Visual Studio Magazine puts out every year. Oh, yeah. But I thought it was particularly interesting this year. If you go to tinyurl.com slash devsurvey2013. So this is, um, you know, they conducted a survey. Uh, they do this every year about, um, you know, the demographics of developers, the languages they use, their salaries, their salaries by education, um, male versus female, and then uh, best technologies for job security, retention, um, experience, and then by Microsoft technology expertise. So hmm. I asked the question, what is your primary area of technology expertise or have product knowledge and work with on a regular basis? Uh, ASP.NET, 17.5%. Mm-hmm. .NET Framework, 19.8%. Uh, Visual Studio, 21.6%. That's the biggest one, of course. Windows, 14.3%. SQL Server, 12.2%. Office, 7.3%. SharePoint, 4.9%. Silverlight, NA. Not available. Wow. None. Not one single person said Silverlight. 
There you go. It's not. Wouldn't it be zero, or did nobody respond to the question? It's really interesting. Yeah, it should be zero percent, not NA, but it's NA. And uh, the highest salary for all those technologies, SharePoint. Yep. Which is only 4.9%. Of the total traffic. And well, the 4.9% of people answered that SharePoint was their primary area of technology expertise. Okay. And they had the highest salaries. But I, I'll, admittedly, you know, only by about $10,000 a year. It's 103000 Interesting. Yeah. And it uh, looks like .NET Framework comes in second salary-wise for those technology expertise. Anyway, I thought it was it was interesting uh, to note. And I did see another survey. I can't remember where I saw it. And I looked and I scoured the web for it and I couldn't find it. But if I do, well, I'll say it again. That um, the hottest up-and-coming jobs, you know, the technologies that are in the highest demand are actually Angular and HTML5 and right. JavaScript. Yeah, web technology seems to be the one. But in particular, Angular. Angular stuck out as being very in high demand right now. Hmm. It was a more recent survey, too. It's very specific. I mean, yeah. it's amazing to get specificity on these libraries. It's interesting, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Good find. Yeah, tinyurl.com slash devsurvey2013. There you go. Richard, who's talking to us? Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 92, and that's the show we did with Sean Wildermuth talking about mobile-first web design, which we got a lot of traction on. Folks are pretty interested in this. Although this is Christoph Clace, who is uh, actually laying the smackdown on us. Uh -oh. He says, nice show, guys. I have always had the feeling that responsive design wasn't really a good solution for mobile devices with lower bandwidths and slower hardware. You're still loading everything, but just not showing it. And I totally agree. This mobile-first approach with on-demand loading of resources, both for styles and scripts, for larger screens makes a lot of sense. There is one thing that Sean mentioned that isn't really correct. When Richard asked about what to do with images on retina displays, Sean said that you would usually make a higher DPI version of the same image, and this is very misleading and incorrect. Changing the DPI has absolutely no effect in browsers. In fact, it doesn't have an effect on the image itself. Hmm. And he created an example web page where he had... The same image, one at 72 DPI and one at 300 DPI. And as you look at them, you realize they're not only the same size, they're actually both 200 pixels wide and 100 pixels tall. Hmm. So the DPI value had no effect in the appearance of the image. And I don't know that Sean got this wrong or if I did. Because really where DPI matters is the screen resolution, right. not the image resolution. Right, right. Right? But we got higher DPI screens now, which means we actually need larger pictures. And that's what Christoph says. It says, you don't need to provide larger DPI images. DPI is a property of the image only relevant when it's printing, not when it's being displayed on a screen, and it's just ignored by the browser. You need to increase the size of the image in pixels for retina displays. Right. Now, if you increase the size in pixels and you're basically blowing it up and you don't have the resolution to support it, it's going to pixelate. And that may be what Sean was getting at, that, well, if you start with that size image at the same resolution, that's what really he's talking about. Just needs to be a bigger picture. Well, and, and you know, the, the tricky part here is typically with browsers on these very high DPI displays, you're running your fonts at 125 or 150%, mm. which works on fonts. It just makes the fonts automatically bigger. Yeah. It doesn't work on images. Right. So the images are going to appear small unless you make larger versions of the images, or if you force them to expand to 150%, they're going to do what you said. They're going to pixelate. Yeah. 
and nobody wants that. Make your pictures nice. Right. So, Christoph, thanks so much for your comment, and a coveted Tablet Show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Tablet Show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. I still can't tell you how many times I see uh, websites where there's a, a click to enlarge on a little thumbnail. Right. And they bring you to another page, you know, in a new in a new page with the same damn picture, the <laughs> thumbnail. Yeah, that's got to be some kind of robotic code that just <laughs> screws it up. Either the, my other favorite one is where they take a, you know, 300 DPI, like, you know, 4,000 pixel wide image, and they make a thumbnail of it just by, you know, changing the the size right and the, the size in the uh attribute in the image tag and so you're looking at a thumbnail that's like a very small thing that's filling in rather slowly <laughs> rather slowly yeah that's really silly yep. all right get your image stuff straight i like it maybe over the dnr side i bet you we could do an hour just on doing images right i agree you know that's a good idea let's do that that's a hard show though that's going to be really dense but we'll figure it out that's a great idea okay all right on to our guests jeremy freely and alan o'connor jeremy is a software development student he studies gmit in galway ireland he has a keen interest in mobile and cloud technology and has tried his hand at electronic engineering, but then discovered the joy of programming, which led him down the software route instead. Jeremy is the Microsoft Student Partner Lead for Ireland, which involves educating students about Microsoft technologies, resources, incentives, and competitions. He also participated in the Imagine Cup 2013 with Team Paddy Code. For, love it for their entry road buddy which received a runner-up award in the innovation category at the irish finals when not coding or studying jeremy fills pints in his local hotel the dalton inn to help fund college pints of what jeremy pints of guinness pints of heineken pints of whatever all right uh alan o'connor spent 10 years working with dell computers after finishing secondary school in limerick during this time, he discovered his fascination with technology and gadgets. When Dell closed its doors, Alan went on to study computing and software development at GMIT, as he thought being able to design and build pieces of software, be it apps or something bigger, would be challenging and cool. Alan has a big interest in new technologies and mobile programming, and will be graduating with a BSc in software development this year and moving on to the Honors Degree Program in September 2013. He finished runner-up as part of Team Paddy Code in the Irish Innovation Finals of the Imagine Cup 2013 with the mobile app Road Buddy. Welcome, guys. Hi, guys. How are things? So, Alan, you are the, the quiet one, the one that does not pour pints. No, I drink them. You drink them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I fill them, he drinks them. <laughs> I've been to Limerick. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember being amazed at how many crows there were. And... Uh, <laughs> Especially hanging around the graveyards. I think we went to, uh, we were at St. John's Castle, a friend of mine and I, right? And then uh, right up near there, there's this really old graveyard next to an old chapel or something. And there's crows hanging out all over, over the place. And it's all gray and dreary. You know, it looks like something out of a Poe story. But then I find out from my Irish friend, crows are actually a symbol of good luck. Are they not? They're supposed to be. I, I don't know. I've never, I've never had a... Good luck from seeing crows, but there's a, there's oh. a rumor that there is. They're not considered an omen, then. Well, uh, actually, it's funny. Um, just when I was on the way into town this morning, I seen a, a dead hedgehog in the middle of the road, and the crows were eating it. And uh, that happened <laughs> since last night, so I don't know if crows are a good thing or not. <laughs> well, nice. They're, they're cleaning up the garbage. That's what they're doing, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Maybe they are good. I spent a, a little bit of time in Ireland, and one of the things that I remember uh, vividly was leaving for the airport in um, a Tipperary County, I think it was, and in the in the morning having to wait for 15 minutes in a on a on a country road while the cows crossed from one pasture to the other. <laughs> and there's no turning around and going another way. That's the road. <laughs> All right, guys. Road buddy. Could I have used road buddy on my trip to the airport? What is it uh, exactly? And does it tell you where the cows are crossing? Okay. Well, it doesn't tell you uh, where the cows are crossing, but uh, what is it? It's a road safety app that will automatically pr- provide assistance uh, in the event of a road traffic accident. Oh. Yeah. Great. Now, what is, so it's going to alert you when there's an accident up ahead? Is that the idea or what's the, what exactly does it do? Oh, different concept. Um, it's supposing, let's just say you crash. Okay. So the app is running when you're driving. Okay. Okay. Uh, If you end up in an accident and if you're not able to call for help, basically the app will automatically do it for you. It detects the crash and it'll, it'll send off for an emergency response. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. How are you doing that? That's a clever trick. Uh, it's basically months of our complex algorithm uh, that uses the accelerometer and the GPS sensors in the phone. And it's basically using them to calculate all the time uh, or determine rather uh, if there has been an impact detected or not. So a sudden stop, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. But it's there's a number of factors. It can't be like... Um, a matter of dropping your phone and it going off, you know, so there has to be certain clauses that, you know, like a checklist will say that um, it must meet all the the ticks. Got uh, it. You know, to make sure that uh, it doesn't go off inadvertently, like, you know. So if you're still moving, then that's not a crash. Then that exactly. would be detectable by GPS. But if you have a sudden, uh, a sudden uh, knock, let's say, with the yeah. accelerometer and you stop moving, and yeah. you were going a certain speed, chances are you're not in good shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, basically, then, if supposing it does go off and uh, a countdown timer will begin on the phone, uh, you know, if the person's co- uh, conscious and they're okay, they're fine, they don't need any help, they can just hit the stop button. Yeah. You know, request sent out for an emergency response then. Right. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, let's just hope that the, uh, the the phone doesn't bite it in the crash, too. That would be bad. Yeah. Um, well, we have tested. We have actually crashed cars with the phones in them, and all the phones have come out more peace. No kidding! Oh, <laughs> that must be the f- most fun part of this whole deal, wasn't it? It actually was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because generally phones go flying in a car accident. Right. Well, uh, we recommend that you would have your phone secured in a cradle at all times. Sure. Uh, well, for the for our purposes now, we got them we got them taped in, like because uh, we wanted them to live. The phones belong to the college, so <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's the morbid question: Has it been tested in the real world? Hasn't been tested in the real world as of yet. Um, I suppose we haven't brought it to market yet. Uh, there's, you know, it's hard to get people to endorse a product such as Roadbuddy. So, and we also have, uh, there's a few APIs that we wanted to have access to, uh, that we didn't have access to, yeah. um, like we'll say the automatically sending the text message because we, well, we developed it for Windows phone, but it 
you know, you can open up a launcher so you can send a text message, but it's no good if the person's unconscious, you know, you can't hit send. So sure. it's going another route and used, uh, you know, a web service and some cloud technology to get the message to actually send, you know? Yeah, no, that, that was my, you know, my thought was that it is difficult because you have to sort of imagine yourself in that situation, which is an uncomfortable thing for most people. So, yeah, it's in, it generally the, the, the way it goes, right? I mean, we don't like to think of security, you know, personal security and safety or, or computer security all that much, just not stuff we'd like to think about. Well, yeah, that's it. It is, I suppose, in a sense, it is a morbid app, but it's something that you don't ever want to have to use. But if it's something that saves your life, you'd be very grateful for it. Absolutely. This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. So after a crash, does it actually make a call for you or what does it do exactly? What it does is uh, it actually, when you first get the app, you enter in your details, your medical information, any allergies you might have or uh, past uh, medical history. Right. And what that does then is it sends uh, a text message uh, via the cloud service to the emergency services and it'll also send your GPS location, the angle the car was impacted at and the speed it was going at. So because you have the vector from GPS and you know the vector of the accelerometer, you could figure out that it was hit from the side or hit from behind, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. And the reason behind that was when we spoke to the emergency services, uh, they said it's it, there's very different impacts from if you're hit from behind or if the car is hit from the side. Right. And most injuries happen from the side, we'd say, if you're T-boned. So it was, it was, they were better prepared if we provided that information to them before they arrived to the scene. So cool. You, but your, so your research to make this product work gave you a whole other feature set here, which I think is pretty important. Yeah. 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 There was, uh, I mean, we consulted a number of organizations when we were doing it. Um, as Alan says that, you know, the medical information that we uh, put into it, that was from the, uh, pharmaceutical society of Ireland and also from the, uh, the HSE, which is the health service executive here in Ireland. Um, you know, we're talking to the road safety authority here. Um, the guard, the traffic corps, that's our, uh, they're, 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 they're uh, the, we'd say the police response team for car traffic accidents. Right. In our, yeah. So how do you actually notify them? It sends a, a text message. Uh, what we used was the 112. I think you have that uh, emergency service in America as well. Mm. I think it's the equivalent of 911. Uh, yeah, 112. What it does is they set up a pilot system here for, uh, deaf people. If they were in an accident, that what it would do is you could send a text message. So we basically hijacked that system for this as a pilot 
to see if it would work. And we tied in with them and, and they thought it was a cool idea as well. So guys, I went in uh, Google Binged Road Buddy and I found an app at myroadbuddy.com, which is not you, it, it sounds like. This warn, warns vehicles uh, traffic of your approach by making them aware of your presence. So there's a transmitter and a receiver and the, uh, the, the transmitter app is used by cyclists and joggers and walkers and a receiver app is used by people in their car and it just notifies them, hey, there's a jogger coming up, etc. So, yeah. so that's not you. That is not us. And that is obviously gone up <laughs> in the last couple of months because, uh, we Googled like hell to make sure that we hadn't our, our name, you know, yeah. cloned somebody else, you know. Although this, you guys are Ireland specific or UK? Well, it, it'd be Ireland for the moment, but what, what we'd like to get is get the app launched in one country, you know, on Beta, make sure that everything's working okay. And then expand to Europe after that and use the, uh, the tech services in other countries around Europe. So has Dar Williams contacted you yet and said, <laughs> <laughs> she has a song called Road Buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just sh- sharing my Google search with you. Uh, uh I'm didn't mean my... to bust your bubble. <laughs> no, no. Is that before my era? It must be. Alan's got a few years on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fascinated by this whole being able to text emergency services. I think that's pretty cool. It is awesome. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I mean, uh, the one thing that we're trying to figure next is the online SMS APIs. Um, the thing is, they won't actually go to an emergency service number. So it's just a matter of uh, building our own SMS gateway next um, so that we can so that we can actually get to 112. Twilio doesn't allow you to go to emergencies? Um, well, any of the, the SMS providers that we checked online, they, uh, they won't, they're primarily used for bulk text messaging. So I suppose their point of view is why would you allow a bulk text message to go to an emergency number? You know, it'll clog up their lines unless, you know, it's used for an actual genuine purpose. Yeah, it looks like uh, Twilio is the same way. Yeah, because I inquired and uh, emailed a few and see if they changed the rules about it, but uh, no exceptions, I'm afraid. <laughs> Maybe they just don't want the litigation possibility opening yeah, up. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something you want to do in, in rapid volume, but it is just an interesting thought that we have cellular modems everywhere, and we have it's much easier to do data than voice to be able to, to text to emergency services. Mm-hmm. seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think the FCC actually... That's the American side of things is working on a, a proposal for texted nine one one the the equivalent service. I just don't know where it's at yet. Yeah, well, um, I was researching there and I seen there's a lot of there's a lot of law and you know legal issues coming in. Well, uh, especially over in the states, more so than here at the minute, and um, they're kind of challenges that you'll face. You, you know, you'd have to have stringent guidelines to adhere to and. Uh, We'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll, it'll eventually come into Europe, but I suppose uh, it's just to have everything done right first time to avoid any legal issues. Well, and, and the whole 112 SMS service is an EU initiative, not just mm. an Irish initiative. Mm. Yeah, so when, when we do, we'll say launch it in Ireland and then move on to Europe, we won't have to build that all infrastructure again. We can just use that again. It won't be any hassle. Yeah, I think you guys are going to be ahead of us on this for a while, too. I don't even want to talk about Canada. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's a, I mean, it's one of the challenges in building mobile apps is, is you get these regional capabilities. And I, I went looking for RoboBuddy on the store, but because I'm in Canada, I don't even see it. Mm. Well, uh, we, well, we haven't got RoboBuddy on the store yet because uh, that issue with not being able to access the messaging API, uh, not having money to build our own SMS gateway, um, you know, a couple of things like that. We need to get a couple of servers there. Oh, one, okay. Mm. You know, as a fail safe, if one goes down, have them on separate mobile networks so that if a network goes down, the other one won't, you know, we need yeah. backup. Yeah. So it's just a interesting problem. Yeah. Does it, uh, <laughs> we've, we've climbed many a hurdle along the way. I'm sure we'll climb this one too. So where'd you get the idea from? Okay. Well, uh, Alan, I'll let you go on this one. Uh, basically it was just, uh, just, uh, we heard about a story. A woman was in a car accident and she had her kids with her. And she was unconscious, but somebody managed to contact emergency services and is in a remote area of Ireland, like it was out the countryside. So there was nobody around to call and she can't remember who contacted. She might have contacted him and blacked out. She can't remember. So we just heard about this story or read about it. I think it was in the newspaper. And we just asked ourselves the question, how would you contact someone if you were unconscious or incapacitated in a car accident? So that got us thinking, and then we just kind of messed around with a few ideas, and like that, we just seen with the phones that with the accelerometer and with GPS, it could be possible. So we just started doing a bit of research into it and just messing around. And the first phone we got, we threw it off the roof of the college just to see if it would prove that the theory would work, and it did. So we went on further from there. Then, and and how did um, how did you guys meet each other? I guess you were both at the same school. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in the same. Uh, we're actually in the same year in college as well. We're, we're doing the same course. So uh, there's another uh, guy involved as well. He's, he's not here today, Jeremy. But uh, there's three of us involved in it, and like that, we just sat down. I suppose an hour one day and kind of had a bit of fun with different things and yeah, you know, just threw out suggestions and this is what we came up with. And then somehow a ma- were you already building it when Imagine Cup showed up? Um, no, well, basically. Um, we're trying to think of, you know, great app ideas, I suppose, and see if something will come up for Imagine Cup. And then as we we're having our coffee and I suppose the conversation went on, we said, right, well, I wonder, could we get a prototype here for Imagine Cup? And that's mm. when, uh, we got, it was the bare bones of an application in, uh, it looked absolutely terrible. It was just a few weeks that we put into it. Uh, this was for last year's Imagine Cup into the, uh, the Windows, phone challenge but uh really like uh, it wasn't very presentable at all so we said we'd, we'd go back and we'd work on it and then we'd enter this year in the innovation and uh, uh we got our runner-up award then this year for for innovation oh that's great yep you know we keep underestimating all of the capabilities of our phone like just being able to synthesize all of those uh different sensors together to come to a conclusion like you've been in an automobile accident do you guys have plans to, I can't remember if you said this already, do you have plans to port this to the other phone platforms? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we'll actually um, be doing Android uh, once we get this up and running and then move to iPhone after that. Um, something to point out as well, though, about uh, Android is we can get onto Android pretty easily. There's, there's more APIs available to us on Android, which would, would allow us, you know, like we've got those automatic SMS capabilities we can automatically launch a phone call, uh, you know, so there are uh, things that would ma- allow, you know, we wouldn't have to have our SMS gateway, um, so, you know, right. all the stuff that's on the mobile itself, the, the mobile device has its capabilities, and 
We'd like to see uh, some of these APIs on the, the Windows Phone opened up, um, you know, mainly because it would allow the developers, you know, uh, you know, more access to certain things. And you know, I know they say there's security issues, but you know, you shouldn't be able to automatically send a message because I don't know you might run up a bill. But surely, if it's going through the certification process and you can show them the reason why, um, you know, I think there, there there is a need for it. There, there are several applications that. Uh, could be developed if there was more access there, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's no different than getting permission to have the app to have permission to use your location. Giving it permission to send a text message in an emergency is just something you have to check. Mm. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's all about, um, you know, if, if, if it's used for the right cause, like, you know, and, you know, you, you, know, you say, okay, why are you using it? Or why do you, why do you need the access? Uh, okay, there you are. Your app can have the access. Um, don't have it for just any random text messaging time in the middle of the night to yeah. you know, friends like. But, uh, you know, if it's used for a genuine purpose, it, it should be allowed. I think you'd also add the capability to just call emergency, like to have that have a button I can push on my phone that sends all that information too. Well, it's like Lifestar, sort of. Isn't that the technology that that people use for that kind of thing? I don't know. What's, what's Lifestar? I think it's just something you can add to your car that will, in an emergency automatically call 911 and put you in touch with somebody i'm not sure though i'm just trying to remember you guys know about this yeah well there's there's an equivalent uh, uh it sounds the exact same uh, it's called e-call and it's legislation basically every new car fitted from 2015 in europe must have one of these devices fit into it which means if you crash uh it'll automatically phone but then you'll say, "What is the where's where's the use for everybody? You know, not everybody can afford a new car, right?" Oh, I know what Carl's talking about. OnStar, OnStar, yeah, LifeStar is the helicopter thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But OnStar was a uh, like a, a concierge service built into your car. That's right, like a auto security, car safety, navigation system thing. And then, but it also had this: if you crash the car, the, it kicked on automatically. Are you okay? You know, emergency services are rolling. That kind of thing. Okay. It also occurs to me. I mean. Cars are so safe these days, especially new cars. Like you think about 2015, they're going to have that built in. It's pretty hard to get hurt in a, in a 2015 car. Mm. You know where I'd want this? Riding a bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right? You get hit by a car while you're riding a bike, you need help. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Our motorcycle. We got a, we got, we got a guy there. He was, he was asking us, he says, so, um, what happens when I'm on my bicycle? Uh, no, he says, well, what happens if I'm going down a, uh, a mountain on a bicycle? I said, well, you should have been going down a mountain on a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And they wouldn't be able to help. But anyway, yeah. I almost hit a skateboarder on the way to the studio today who just thought he would be so cool to weave in and out of traffic as they were approaching a red light. And he almost got hit. It wasn't me that hit him. Or almost hit him. But he almost got hit by a car. Wow. Yeah. Brazen skateboarders. Yeah, yeah, but you guys got my mind now going now about all these different things we could do to 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 tie into emergency services. Actually, one of the ideas that we had is that you could hit one button and basically it's kind of like a panic button. But you know, a lot of people have done that, and I suppose there are there are several situations. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's over in the states and Canada, but you know, elderly people they kind of they hang a, a chain around their neck and there's like a button on it. But, right. Uh, and basically, you know, there's this big 
charges that go with you know having to sign up for a service every month you know to keep watch on uh, elderly people to have somebody at the end of the line but um it speaks to an idea of you already have a phone why would you pay for another service hmm. although in theory that's what 911 or 112 was for in the first place it's only three digits to dial how hard could it be yeah yeah so it's about if you can make things automatic i think really uh you know, that's the that's well, that was, the whole point is like if you are incapacitated or you're, you're unable to speak or communicate clearly, how would you ask for help then? Like, so that was kind of the point in it as well. Yeah. But I also like that you have all the medical information in one place and maybe the, you know, contacted emergency information, which is always the hard stuff. Guys, here's an interesting story. And, and I get these uh, alerts from my local newspaper. And I got this one just just this afternoon, about an hour ago. A 10 year old dialed 911 last night from car. His father was allegedly driving under the influence. The man crashed his car moments later. Eerie. Well, that's a that's a shocking story. Is that because he was yelling at the kid? Yeah, maybe. What are you doing? Crash. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my phone. Very dark. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah. a big problem. So you guys are graduating. Is this your career now? Are you going to build mobile apps? Apps Hopefully. General <laughs> mobile stuff, probably most likely. Um yeah, Alan likes games and stuff, so he might do games someplace down the line. Oh, yeah, no, well, it's, I mean, as I said, I, I kind of got into Dell and realized I like technology and gadgets and stuff. And then when they finished up, I said, right, what do I want to do? So GMIT had possibly on paper the best software course that I taught in the country. And I have to say, it kind of stands up to it. You know, the lectures and everything up there, they're, they're brilliant. The facilities are, are top notch. Microsoft as well. I mean, they provide everything like the software. Uh, tablets, phones, you name it, we get it like, you know, so it's it's very encouraging and very easy to decide, yeah, I'm going to do mobile apps or I'm going to get involved with this, you know. Sure. And you guys are going to make Android and iPhone versions of this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just uh, what we want to do is because of the nature of the app, I mean, it can't work 99 times out of 100. It has to work 100 times. So that's right. kind of what's holding it up, you know. We need it to work every time and we're fairly confident. But as Jeremy said, we have a couple of things outside of it at the moment that we need to tie down you know so that there aren't any problems but it will definitely be going across platforms yeah and you think all native or are you going to go with a hybrid solution how are you going to go across the platforms uh well, well we'll develop for each platform as it comes along we haven't used uh we haven't used any tools before now that'll kind of kick out an app on three different devices but um uh, we're doing Android as part of our coursework anyway, and we're doing the Windows Phone development. So iPhone will just kind of be the one that we'll have to teach ourselves, I suppose, at the end of it. Sure. Yeah, so that's where we're going with that. All native. All native. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So it seems like you guys have some work to do. So we'll let you get going. Get on that. Thanks for your work. Hey, listen, thank you for making the world a safer place. It's very cool. You're very welcome. All You're right. very welcome. All right. We'll see you next time on the Tablet Show. It's not too much fun.